Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. I'll admit it, you know, I'm the one who picked the Dallas Cowboys to beat the, the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles last week. I know. I, uh, I'll admit it. In fact, Mike, you, you did too, right? No, I didn't. Don't, don't go shy. You, you know, you got you to gotta tell America too. I, I can't remember if I picked them or not. I may have. I think I picked these. No, nah, no, nah, I, I picked the Eagles. I picked the Eagles. I didn't pick the Cowboys, although I had him winning the NFC East. You had the Eagles, right? Yeah, I did. And we both picked the Eagles, and they they, let us they fooled us. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show, inside the studios of WNSC. Myself and Michael Gray. Another gorgeous evening inside the East Coast. Uh, just when you thought the birds was going to fly, 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 they... Uh... <laughs> What's that? What, what's that old movie called? To Kill a Mockingbird, right? That's what the Cowboys did. Got those birds down for the sky. Oh, man. Another week. We welcome those of you again here inside the studios of WNSC. Myself and Michael Gray here inside the studio of WNSC. Another gorgeous evening, Mike and when we thought that we had it all figured out last week, uh, you know, it's not doing well here. Myself and my ride partner, my DMV man, is back in D.C. I know he's rocking. You're getting ready for uh, the Nationals, right? Their first, their franchise's first ever World Series. You got Max Scherzer going against Garrett Cole. And, uh, Mike, I know you set. Oh, my goodness, man. We've been waiting for this for a long time. I'm just, I'm just living in the moment right now, Sebi. Definitely, you got to live in the moment there for sure. And not only that, we've got NBA season, NBA action kicks off tonight. The stage is set for Toronto, Canada. Tonight, the Raptors are going to be given their championship rings in front of their home crowd in the opening night against the Pelicans. And then, of course, La La Land is the place to be. The Staples Centers is the place to be this year. You got the Lakers and the Clippers who are looking to renew a rivalry that never was. And so tonight, the NBA season begins. And, of course, we've got a special guest right with us in the hotline today. This man is part of the Suave Report. He, I think he calls him the Suave because he always Suave Suave. Recently married, the voice, the reporter, the writer of the Oklahoma City Thunder franchise, Mr. Adam Francisco with us on the hotline to talk about the NBA season. Adam, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Man, doing great, dog. Doing great. Glad to have you. Good, good. I'm excited to be on. Hey, congratulations excited on the to too. Man, thank you. It was a long time coming. A lot of planning. I'm glad it's over with. I hear that. <laughs> recently, recently married, Adam. How, does, how, how is uh, being taken? Phil? Man, it's great. Um, to be honest, it feels the same. I will say it's special that you know, she's finally my wife. But as far as our relationship goes, it really just feels the same. She still feels like my girlfriend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It always feels the That's same there. 
Most definitely. That's dope. That's when it's natural and authentic. That's all right. 100%. That's dope. Very there for sure. So uh, without further ado, Adam, uh, pleased to have you on the show. Uh, first timer here. So let's let's get right into it. So the, the evolution of the Suave Report, how did that start off? You know, you, you got that sports going along with the fashion aspect that's pretty unique. Um, how, how did that come along with the sports brand and, and how you started marketing that itself? What's crazy is um, it all started with me just starting a little blog, like just a little blog. Uh, it was called uh, Suave Francisco dot blogspot.com uh it was a blogger blog and um i just covered like high school sports and it all came about um i played basketball through high school and two and a half years through college and like ripped my knee apart basically and uh had to stop playing so i kind of sat down one day and was just like what's next like what am i gonna do next and uh I was like, well, I love sports. I love writing. Why don't I write on sports? And that's when the blog came about. Now, um, about a year after I started the blog, one of my dad's coworkers, he's a band director, and um, one of his friends is a photographer. He's been um, covering or shooting for the Thunder for two years before. And he um, hit me up and was like, hey, we're looking for writers. Uh, would you be interested? I was like, yeah, yes, yes, of course, obviously. And um, he had me send in a couple writing samples and he was impressed. And that's how I started writing for the Thunder. Still, I was just covering sports. And about two and a half years ago, about, yeah, like two seasons ago, it was the first year that Katie left Russell Westbrook's MVP season. Everybody was covering sports. Literally, everybody was covering sports mm. and covering the same thing, especially here in Oklahoma City where things um, aren't slow, but we're developing into a bigger city. So everyone's kind of on the same wave. So I felt like I wasn't really reporting anything. So I found a way to kind of separate myself from everybody else. I've always been into fashion. So I figure, you know, why don't I just mix sports with fashion? And that's how that came about. And I like to say last year is the first year I actually started, like, hitting my stride uh, covering the fashion. That's 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 dope, man. That's, that's really that's really amazing. You found your passion and you're sticking to it. Oh, yeah. I, 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 got, oh, yeah. I got a question for you, man. Uh, being close to this Thunder organization for the past four to five seasons, tell me, what's the, what's the vibe like in the locker room with such a, a great group of players? And also... For the people that don't know, and, and like myself, educate them on how how electric that fan base is in OKC. Okay, uh, to your first question, are you asking how the locker room was in the past or how it is today? A combination of both. Okay, well, in the past, the locker room was, was a little different. Um, we all know how Russell Westbrook can be. I'm actually a big fan of Russ, but... We all know he he has a bit of a short fuse, um, and that okay. sometimes carried over into the locker room. Not saying that it was a detrimental locker room at all. Um, it was just a certain culture that was in there. It was just a little bit more tense. Um, after big wins, obviously, everything was happy. But if it was a bad loss, I mean, 
you just knew not to ask Russell a question, which we had to do, which resulted in all the next questions and, you know, um, all that stuff from last year. So um, I would say in the past, there was kind of a iffy locker room connection, especially after KD left. But this year so far, you know, it's it's real lively. It feels more like a college atmosphere because the entire team is like 25 and under, except Chris Paul, um, uh, Gallinari, Stephen Adams, who's, I guess, only 26 uh, to begin with. <laughs> wow. The entire only 26. <laughs> He's only 26. I mean, that's crazy to me. He's the same yeah. age as me, but he looks 35. Right. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, the vibe in the locker room now is a lot better. Um, it seems like everyone is just best friends. Um, I know that's not the case because they've only been together for two months now, but um, it's a really, really healthy vibe in the locker room now. Um, as for the fan base, man, the last, I'd say the last two years, things have kind of slowed down a little bit just because we haven't been in contention like we were in the past, like, what, six, seven years? Yeah. But that's by far outside of the Utah Jazz, the loudest arena I've ever been in, for okay. sure. Wow. Um, because because the Chesapeake Energy Arena is a lot smaller than most arenas. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, the fans are rowdy. Yes, they have – I don't even know how many consecutive sellouts, but I know it's like for the past four years we've had, um, we've had sellouts every single game. Um, so people are in there, but it's also smaller um, in relation to like Staples or, or um, um, you know, Golden State's Oracle, newer you know, well, Yeah, now the Chase Center, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so it's a lot smaller, so people are louder or it sounds louder. But it's definitely a real electric atmosphere. I'm actually really eager to see uh, how that goes this year because of, you know, the lack of star power we have. (laughs) Definitely there for sure. Uh, So so being close with with the Oklahoma City Thunder, obviously, you know, Russell Westbrook and Paul George, your superstars are sent away in trade packages. Um, Obviously, the, the faithful of Oklahoma City mourns against that but what should we expect this season this upcoming season on the floor with this group of players you know uh, now having Chris Paul at helm he's looked upon as the veteran now so and also with Steven Adams as well but what should we expect now with Billy Donovan's squad man it's hard to expect anything because you don't really know what direction this franchise is going to go into um, the big question is are we doing a complete rebuild or are we building off what we have right now? Um, Chris Paul's on the trade block. Steven Adams is on the trade block. Dennis Schroeder's on the trade block. And <laughs> so is Gallinari. So those are key pieces. Those are literally the four pieces that can make or break this season. Right, so right. Um, depending on what happens with them, I'll give you two answers. If we keep this same exact team the way it is right now, I really think they're going to overachieve. Um, ESPN, I think, had them winning 31 games this season, finishing like 13th in the West. With those four, I think they'll overachieve. I'm putting them at like 37 to 40 wins and probably like 11th in the Western Conference. Um, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're 
going to be a respectable team, especially considering what happened last or this offseason. Um, now, if we lose Chris Paul mentioned, I think the Thunder are in trouble. I'm, I don't see him winning 30 games. So I think it's 100% dependent on, you know, who, who who's on this team come the trade deadline. Got you, got yeah, definitely there. And and I want to ask you nothing. You know, Oklahoma City in the next two years have 15 first-round picks. And so if they were to let go of all these these guys, like Chris Paul, Gallinari, mm-hmm. these guys can help any playoff contender. If they were to let them, let them go, what do you think Sam Presti should do with those 15 picks in the next two years? Split them in half. Um, use six or seven of those for um, trade pieces, uh, trying to bring in – Younger veterans, you know, uh, Chris Paul's in his 14th or 15th year. Um, try to get somebody in that's been in the league for like six, seven years um, who has a nice future but hasn't reached their prime yet. Um, somebody I've always been int- um, int- ooh, interested in. Um, he's actually a close friend of mine. I grew up with him, uh, Josh Richardson. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, he. I think his. I think he has. I think this year is. I think he has a player option. So this year he could potentially opt out of that, um, which would make him a free agent. And I would really like to see him back here. Um, I think he's a player that hasn't quite reached his prime yet, but has a ton of potential. He uh, can score the ball and he can defend the ball. That's how he got to the league. So um, packaging up those draft picks for a attractive trade and then using six or um, seven of those draft picks to just build this team. Um, I honestly think the future for the Thunder is brighter than it's honestly ever been. And that's including when, um, you know, we had Russ, KD and Harden, because I think that um, Sam Presti has made his mistakes. He knows the mistakes that he made and he'll go about things differently the second time around, you know, that was his first time really manning an entire team. So, so, you know, we'll do better this time. The Suave Report on the hotline with us. This is the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Mike, go ahead. Got you. Uh, Adam, I got one last question for you. This OKC franchise has had some big-time franchise players drafted and gone from that area. Do you think, in your honest opinion, if Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Serge Ibaka were to stay with the Oklahoma City Thunder, could they have been the next greatest dynasty? Um, tough question. They would have won a championship. They almost did. Um, <laughs> obviously, yeah. yeah for the Miami Heat, dang it. Right. Uh, <laughs> but um, man, I was hurt. But um, yes. Yeah, um, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. That's given all three players kept their ego intact. Um, because to have a dynasty, you got to have a uh, – it, it comes with a lot of sacrifice. You got to have selfless players. You gotta yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. very, very selfish. Um, I'm not sure if Russ and KD and James Harden, three players with three very big personalities – um, would have made it to like that dynasty status, but talent wise, it's obvious. I yeah. mean, completely obvious. I think. I think one of the things, though, Adam, because uh-huh. I remember back in the back when James Harden 
was with the Thunder and he was winning six man of the year, he enjoyed he accepted his role as the six man. He was willing to come off the bench. And you know, he he obviously wasn't a superstar yet, but it seemed like they all really enjoyed coming up together and the fact that they got drafted together and really enjoyed playing with each other. That you, you think that continuity that, that they would they could have kept that same continuity had they had stayed together? Um, no. No. Mm-hmm. Just um me and James used to actually uh go to the same barber shop and his brother was um, one of the barbers in the barber um, shop, and he he's singing a completely different tune. He's saying that James wanted to start. He, um, he wanted an opportunity to start somewhere, and um, when 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 Presty kind of lowballed him, and was still telling him that he'd be coming off the bench, that kind of turned him off. So, okay. I'm hearing, or I heard something completely different from a pretty reliable um, source that you know he did kind of want to start okay Um, yeah now now i do think for maybe two or three seasons that may have worked out but but once harden started to develop into the player that he is now i think it just would have been obvious he needs to start you know right exactly right right and 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 I'm, i'm glad that i ended up that way because i mean if if James Harden didn't, didn't you know, remove or and find his own team, wouldn't have seen the James Harden we see now. Just the electrifying, the 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 handle that just lulls you to sleep, the the step back. I mean, this guy's is nearly unguardable. Just just keep in front of you, and so I'm kind of happy that happened. But don't you think, Adam? If it's tough, but I, I just feel as if it. I know it's a small market. You can't keep everybody, but I've always said. If they had to make a choice, obviously Durant is a lock. You know, obviously, you know, Durant is would go down to me as one a top twenty player of all time. But yeah. he's got to stay. But I, I think him and Harden would have coexist. I, I think Russell would have been the guy that I would have let go. Your thoughts on that, bro? Don't make me do this. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me do this, man. You gotta go uh, back home, man. <laughs> oh man, that's tough. That's that's been a topic that I've been debating with myself for like three years that specific topic like which one of the three would I have left out and I honestly uh, it's tough it's tough um I love Russell Westbrook but yeah he'd have to be the man out just because just because he's so ball dominant and headstrong that obviously didn't didn't match up well with Kevin's personality um, I think Russ works better. Like basically, if it was Russ and James, like now, hey, I we think, get to see that. We get to see that this year, right? But but back then, I think it would have worked better. Um, I don't think the Houston Rockets are going to be much of nothing. Um, I think they're going to win a bunch of uh, games this year and then get knocked out in the playoffs because both of those guys have already reached their prime and they're already where they're going to be. Um, neither one of them are willing to change. I guarantee you, neither right, one of right. James Harden ain't changing nothing. That's his team, right? Right. Um, and Russell Westbrook isn't changing either. Um, I think at this point in their career, it's not going to work as well as that duo may have worked six or seven years ago. Um, but yeah, uh, when it comes to having to let one of those three go, I would have let Russ go just because the cohesiveness between Kevin and James would have worked out better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, we, all, we all know Kevin Durant is a walking bucket and so is James Harden. But 
what we see in Hardy's game is he's a willing passer as well. And you don't get that side, same type of, of vibe with, with Russell Westbrook. He, yes, he gets the lane. He gets you triple doubles, but it's more of your like AI triple doubles. Oh, I'm already in the basket. Dump it right off. Adam's dunk it. You know, it's kind of like yeah. that. And so, um, yeah, it's just kind of um, something to think about. Yeah, that's something also that I've always been, well, I've always argued with people about. Uh, once again, I'm a very big Russell Westbrook fan. He's he's my third favorite player of all time behind Kobe and Allen Iverson. Talk so, to him, Slim. Be a Kobe fan. That's all right. Yeah, my yeah, dog, you already know. Man. You already know. Kobe's the GOAT. My man. But, <laughs> but but um but yeah, he he's he's not a true point guard. That's that's a hundred like you can't right. debate that. He's not a true point guard. He's made it work yeah very, very well, but he's not a true point guard. Um I'll tell you now, out of those ten assists, I'd say seven were drives to the lane where he just dumped it off to Adams. Right, seven right. of those. Um, he's not cre- he's not necessarily creating shots for for all um, of his players. Right, that's what makes him different than 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 um Harden. Yeah, right. And 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 that's something that you know you just can't take away. Just the personality, the tenaciousness. Now, the snarl that 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 Russell Westbrook has is just uncanny. It's the, his personality is what really, really gets you amped up. And that's what I like about Russ. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, I mean, I'm saying that 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 James is better at passing the ball than Russ. But at the same time, if I'm starting a franchise, I'd rather have Russ. Interesting. Like, if I'm starting a franchise from the ground up, I want Russ because he's going to instill his mentality into the entire team. That's true. But it, it's funny James, how we're not even putting Kevin Durant in this discussion. We no, all take Kevin no. Durant. <laughs> no, man, I have my own opinion about KD. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, he's 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 undoubtedly, I'd say, by the end of his career, he'll be a top fifteen, maybe even a top ten player. I think. Yeah, I think um, he'll be top ten. Yeah, kind of depending on how he comes back. I say but, top fifteen. There's a lot of guys. So. Yeah, there's too many guys. But, but I mean, KD is a great player. But, but, but KD the person, KD the competitor, kind of rubs me the wrong way. Okay. <laughs> the whole well, nobody would that. know better than Mr. Then, Adam right. Francisco. <laughs> yeah, covering there with the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder franchise for sure. All those years with oh, the yeah. Thunder. So, uh, uh. uh Adam, let's go to a broader picture here, and we'll start off with a conference that you know very well, and that's the Western Conference. Uh, uh-huh. Given tonight is the opening night, um, and with the landscape, what do you see in the West? Any teams that's, that's a dark course to you that not a lot of people's talking about, and and what's your predictions for the West? Hey, man, uh, can you repeat that? Something just clicked off. I'm sorry. Uh, I What's your prediction for the Western Conference, given the fact that, you know, that's a conference that you know very well, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder there for quite some time. Is there any team a lot of teams are not talking about that we're not talking about that you think that can make a deep postseason run, maybe a sneaky dark horse? And what's your prediction for the Western Conference this season? Yeah, 100 percent. Now that Clay Thompson's not probably not going to play this season, I, I have the Warriors like so I, in that six, seven range, first of all. Um, and nobody's talked about the Denver Nuggets. 
who, <laughs> who, right. who did Thank nothing you. but add Michael Porter Jr. and Jeremy Grant. Well, my a, a and Adam, that's that's who I picked to win the regular season uh, to be the top seed in the yeah, West. Same right. here, same here. Right. And and this is my hot take. I'm a huge Laker fan. Um, I don't think you guys know that because I kind of have to hide that because I'm a reporter now. But <laughs> I'm a huge Laker fan. Huge Laker that's, fan. That's that. That is actually absolutely not accepted here on the 75. Oh <laughs> my god! Oh I my god! Green. I am a heavy Celtics fan. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that, bro. <laughs> but 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 no no no. Um, despite me being a Laker fan, I think the title um, belongs to either the Denver Nuggets or the Clippers. Okay. Um, I think the Western Conference Finals, the how the um, seating is, will feature the Nuggets or the Clippers. Now it's the first game of the season, so. You know, you got to put into perspective, you know, different injuries and stuff like that. But but teams as they are right now with everything, you know, with everything perfect, Nuggets, Clippers, Western Conference Finals. And I don't know who's going to win. <laughs> well, well uh, before before you go ahead, Mike, um, how about a team like this? I've got my eyes on maybe a Portland and the Utah Jazz. I thought they did well in the offseason. Um, I, I know they have deep cores, especially on their depth on their bench roles. So mm-hmm. what about those two teams? Why, why are they not so compelling in the Western Conference? You said Portland and the Jazz, right? Right. Portland, because they it's the same thing every year. Um, I mean, Damian Lillard is a great player. Do not get me wrong. Um, he's a great player. But for some reason, it just hasn't worked with him and uh, McCollum. For some, I don't know why. Because they're both extremely good players, but it's just never worked. Um, I just don't. I just don't see it. Um, they're gonna have to just prove me wrong because I don't see it. Now, for the Jazz, I think they can be a contender. I really think they can be a contender. I think they'll be in the top. I say top four in the West. Um, right now, I have the Nuggets at one, Clippers at two, Jazz at three, Lakers at four. Um, so, so. I think they will contend, but I think the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Nuggets are just too strong. I think they're just too strong. The Sebby Podcast Radio Show inside the studios was WNSC. Mike, your take. Man, you, I, I, I am not going to lie to you, uh, Adam. I got to disagree with you about the Portland Trailblazers, man. This team has continued to get better year after year. I mean, the year before last year, they lost to Portland. I mean, excuse me, to New Orleans got swept in the first round. They come back motivated this year, and they get all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Yes, they get swept by Golden State, but there's no love. There's no loss in losing to Golden State. They were competitive in, in three of those games. Should have won. Should have won at least two of them. I, I see this. They, they got better with the acquisitions of Kent Bazemore. They they got Hassan Whiteside. They uh they they they, draft, they drafted a guy like uh the dude from uh, Nasir Little. I mean, they, they got pieces, man. To, to Rodney Hood is back. Rodney Hood has got signed back, and this team is is definitely. I think the experience of last year losing in the Western Conference Finals, and, and maybe did, I, I think Nurkic can help out as well. Absolutely, because you're gonna have one of them. It's a one-two combo with those bigs. Uh-huh. I'm, not to, I'm not gonna lie to you, Adam. I, I think this Portland team is gonna surprise. They were the three seed last year. They were the three seed, and they beat Look. that Nuggets team in the playoffs. So I think it's a possibility that they can get back in the top three, four seeds. And, and and make a run at it, you know. I, I, I don't see them getting to the finals, 
But I see them, you know, being very competitive in this West and, and really being one of the top seeds. Look, look, I respect your opinion, and I don't necessarily disagree. Um, I do think that they're going to be good. It's just a situation where I've seen it before. I've seen this before. I mean, every year, I mean, for the last two years, even the year that they got swept, everybody was like, watch out for the Trailblazers. You know, they have this person, this person, and this person. And then somehow something, I, I don't know what happens in the playoffs, but something doesn't connect. Last year, yes, last year they came very, very close, but I just, I don't know. Now, I will say, I will say, if there's a year to do it, it's this year because there's no super team. Gotcha. I guess you can count the Lakers, but is Anthony Davis going to be healthy the whole year? Who knows? Right. right. Definitely there. Let's just put it this way. You know, Adam and, and Russell Westbrook has two things in common. They don't like the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Good one, Savvy. Good one. <laughs> Let's Not shift right here to the Eastern Conference here. Um, this is a uh, conference that was dominated by the Greek Freak, coming back as the reigning defending MVP. Um, what a performance he put out last year, uh, Adam. And he's looking back for vengeance. The, the Bucks were bittersweet how their season ended last year under the hands of Kawhi Leonard and their championship run. And so they come back this year. You got the new look 76ers. Oladipo's back for the Pacers. And, of course, my beloved Celtics. And so when you look at the Eastern Conference and its landscape, what do you see on that side of the aspect? The Eastern Conference is a little bit more cloudy for me. Um, Of course, the Bucs. I don't think they're going to be as good as last year. I think they're going to miss Brogdon a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. My favorites in the East are the 76ers. Gotcha. I mean, there's, they're loaded. <laughs> they are loaded, and I think the acquisition of Richardson, um, he's not he's he's not better than Jimmy Butler. Don't get me wrong, right. he's not better than Jimmy Butler, not but I think he fits better with that team than Jimmy Butler did. Gotcha. Um, his personality's not as loud. He's just the guy that's going to do whatever he has to do, whether that's play defense. Um, he can literally do whatever the team needs him to do. Uh, Jimmy Butler's. He has a different personality. So um, I think the fact that they unloaded Butler, pulled in Richardson, allows more attention to be on um, – what's his name? Uh, kid that can't shoot. Uh, ben uh, Simmons. Mr. Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and um, – Tobias Harris. Um, yeah, Tobias Harris. I think those three – now have all the spotlight on them when last year they were trying to share it with a fourth person. Um, so I think the 76ers are definitely going to be a step up. Um, and as much as I don't want to admit it, the Celtics, <laughs> the Celtics look good. Um, you know how look, much, you know how much, you know, elated of joy that makes me sound. <laughs> you know, <laughs> No, I mean, look, I completely despise the Celtics. I I hate them. I hate the franchise. But I can say the same for the the, the, <laughs> the purple and gold. I I I do not like. <laughs> but but um, but the acquisition of Kimball Walker in replace of Kyrie Irving, who I really just 
I'm not a big fan of uh, Kyrie Irving at all, like at all. Mike, um, get at him. Oh man, I, I want to hear. Sorry, bro. I want to hear the reasoning. I want to hear why. Just because of who he is, like he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, he's a great player. But there's a reason why the Celtics did what they did when he was hurt, and there's a reason why they did what he did when he came back last year. Oh, okay. I, I I can make that same argument that they wouldn't have gotten to the Western Conference Finals that his first year without him. And when I say that, what I mean by that is he led them to the number two seed, and they actually were the number one seed throughout that entire season. And if he didn't get hurt, I, I, I me personally, I have them winning the finals, but I don't think that they would have gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals without him because they secured home court advantage every round in that playoffs. If you remember, they won all their home games. They lost every road game in that playoffs except for that one game three against Philly. Uh, if they had to go on the road against Milwaukee in the first round, they might have lost in that first round, and we might be having a whole different conversation about Kyrie Irving and what he did with that Boston Celtics. You do have a point. You do have a solid point. My question is, do you think they're going to be better with Kimball Walker? You, this, is why, this is why I think they're going to be better with Kimball Walker, and this is not Kyrie's fault. They're going to be better with Kimball Walker because Kimball Walker is, not a, is, is, is a little bit less ball-dominant, and he will have to be less ball-dominant in this system. Okay. And plus, he will have the advantage of uh, Gordon Hayward getting a year under his belt, getting his legs under him, and, and his second year coming off the injury. And also, he has the luxury of Brad Stevens learning from his mistakes from last year and not uh, repeat, possibly not repeating them this year and turning that around. So I, I do think that they can be better this year. Uh, it's, it's remained to be seen, but, but it's not because of Kyrie. It's because of the learning curve of last year and the, uh, assuming that they're not going to make those same mistakes from last year and Gordon Hayward's help. Well, well, I'll say this. I'll say this as, as you know, as my beloved Celtics, I say this. Um, Brad Stevens, I, I thought last year was his hardest year of coaching because he's done a lot with less. And so getting Kyrie Irving, um, a guy that's already a big personality, um, you know, he, he, a flashy, dazzling with the handles, being in all these commercials, the movies and stuff like that was uh-huh. different for Kyrie Irving, uh, different for Brad Stevens. And I only that. I knew Bra- um, Gordon Hayward was his guy. And he wasn't healthy. Yep. Trying to get him acclimated, uh, the minutes, Brown minutes went uh, I forgot down. about Gordon. minutes yep. went down. And, and Terry Rozier, that's why he's gone. His minutes right. went down. And so uh-huh. that postseason success that they had, asserting Gordon Hayward back into the offense was, was pretty difficult as well. well and I, I just thought that uh, with leadership in a locker room, I've heard noise that apparently Kyrie Irving was toxic and he was a cancer there. There's a lot of uh, speculations, but I just think with, with, with Kimball Walker, he's a guy that's no nonsense. He's ready to work. He hasn't won anything in Charlotte. I think he's the guy that can definitely help us as in terms of leadership. Now it's to be seen is if the production that Kyrie had last year, he can meet those expectations. But um, I, I just think that the Celtics, you know, they have an opportunity to take the next step, you know, Tatum in his third year, Brown in his third year, in his fourth year, excuse me. Right. Um, and so I still think Boston coming to the season has the best perimeter shooting team in the Eastern Conference because this is where I'm going to piggyback to you, Adam, is the reason I don't like the Sixers is because, yes, I think defensively their personnel is great. Uh, adding Al Horford because he, he was a problem oh, facing man. Embiid. And that's why we always used to beat the Sixers. Now he's gone and he's been added to the Sixers. So I think defensively they'll be great. But I worry about shooting. You lose J.J. Redick. You lose Bellinelli, right? Uh-huh. And then Jimmy Butler was your closer. I would have maxed out Butler 
and and let Tobias go. So your thoughts on that and how the Sixers may, you know, not make it to the finals just because of lack of shooting. Different conversation. Um, boy, boy, Adam, that's a lot of ifs. That's why I don't trust the Sixers. <laughs> Simmons can can actually step out and make some shots. We saw three. We saw one three. I don't know everything I need to know by the end of November. Yeah, definitely. With that, them. For sure. Now, if if we're seeing a lot of the same difficulties as last year, um, I don't think they'll make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Wow, wow. But if we see these guys starting to knock down threes, not jump threes, because that's where the NBA is now, um, as much as I hate it. Um, if we can see this team knock down threes, I think I think they can easily come out of the Eastern Conference. Wow. What what about some of the other teams that they're not talking about? I, I like this Indiana Pacers. Team. I do too. They, 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 they're well coached. They, Dave McMillan is good. They get all their leader back. Oladipo's back. And Malcolm Brogdon. So I play pickup ball. We call that clamps, right? Uh-huh. You got Malcolm Brogdon on one backcourt and you got Oladipo. And then um, Sabonis gets paid. Um, uh, Turner is is an elite rim protector. And then you've got the Raptors. They're the Fenny champs. They say, don't forget about us, although we lost Kawhi Leonard. Um, Miami has Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler now. So any of these other teams that you got your eye on? Yeah, um, there were two teams that you just – the Pacers are going to – I think the Pacers are going to be fourth in the East. I have them fourth in the East. Um, you named everybody but Jeremy Lamb, who was the second right. scorer for the Hornets last year behind Kimba Walker. That's right. Not an all-star. He, nowhere near an all, um, a all-star, but he's liable to score 15 to 18 points a night. Um, and then as far as the Miami Heat goes, um, I think Tyler Hero, he's not going to win Rookie of the Year, but he's going to be in the conversation. That kid can shoot. And Jimmy yeah. Butler, um, he finally has his team. John's tough, man. He's a tough guy. Yeah, really? he is. He can score you 20 points a night if yeah. he really wants yeah. to. But he could also he could also score two points on, you know, one of 20 shootings. So <laughs> he's he's – He's the temperamental player <laughs> as far as his uh, game goes. But but I do think considering the East is really, um, really balanced, but I don't – well, basically the top of the East is very, very strong. Um, you got the Celtics. You got the 76ers. Um, you can put the Bucks in there still because they got Giannis. Um, and then it's kind of a drop-off. Um, from from four down to like nine, you got teams that have a legit chance to be in the playoffs. Um, so I think considering that bottom half of the West or the the, the bottom two thirds of the Western um, the Eastern Conference, the Miami Heat have a really good chance of uh, getting into the playoffs. Oh, definitely. I, think, I definitely think they'll make the playoffs for sure. Quickly here before we uh, we have you leaving here uh, today. Expectations uh, the first year for the Nets. So obviously they expected not to have KD. Uh, you heard rumbles that he may come back. I doubt it. Um, so expectations this season. It's Kyrie's team. He made his decision to go back to New York where he is his holy grounds. And so um, the Nets, they have a really unique team. I like their yep. coach. Um, mm-hmm. They have structure up top. And then this Karis LeVert guy, I've always been a fan. <laughs> uh, 
this this brother can hoop and um and of course you got Spencer Dinwiddie. I, I what do you think expectations are in, in year one for the Nets? Um, I don't think they'll do much this year. Um, they may make the playoffs. They may be like that seven to nine in the Eastern Conference. Um, I don't think they'll be bad. And this sounds crazy, but the loss of Jared Dudley's gonna uh, matter. Good point. For sure, he's a leader. He Good was point. he was the emotional leader of that team, like undoubtedly. And now they don't really have an emotional leader. Um, you have uh, they have a star player, obviously Kyrie. Um, they have uh, Karis LeVert. Who's extremely good? I think he's I, I, he's really really good. He's really um, good. Really yeah. good. Uh, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, he's solid. I'm not the biggest fan, but I can't deny that he's a solid player. Right. Um, but I think they're gonna miss that leadership aspect right. that Jared Dudley brought, and I think they're gonna take a couple steps back. But obviously, when KD comes back, they're right. They're in the top of the Eastern Conference, so. Oh yeah, I, it's not as much as much. as much as I bleed green. If KD comes back, I think it's wraps in the Eastern Conference. I mean, yeah. having Kyrie Irving, you're talking about two of the top eight players in the game, in who are season. friends, who are right. friends at that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And so, um, plus, I, I like their player development. A guy like Jared Allen can rim protect. They got DeAndre Jordan. Not they a lot do. of people talking about that. They got so DeAndre. They I forgot that. I that. <laughs> that's a leadership oh, wow. quality right there. That's a leadership quality right there. So. Yeah, 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 I forgot. Okay, he may, he may carry that, but um, I need to see it happen first. Gotcha. Definitely there. Before you leave, um, with the Swag Report here on the Savvy Podcast Radio Show, Adam, uh, tell any of our listeners where they can find you, um, in all of your digital platforms. Definitely, definitely. Um, of course, if you just, um type in the suave that's where all my work's going to be but um as far as like my fashion post and uh post game videos and uh, stuff like that you can hit up my instagram at suave.report just suave like suave dot report um and then on twitter it's my personal account that's where i do all basketball coverage literally um live tweeting the games and everything um at Suave Francisco, same way you spell San Francisco, with an underscore at the end, and that's me. So um, those are my two main platforms. Um, that's where you, you'll find most of my work. Definitely there. Pleasure to have you on the show with us today. Um, behalf of myself and Michael Gray. Thank you guys for having me Pleasure, on. Man. Pleasure, man. It's been great talking to you. Appreciate it, man. Always welcome to come back on the hotline as long as you're not talking before you about my C's. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, bro. <laughs> no problem. That's to be determined. But when we come back, myself and Michael Goy, we shift gears to the NFL. We take a look back at week seven in the NFL and also the collegiate game inside the studios of WNSC. And we're back here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show with my Michael Gray, Mike. We shift gears to the NFL and what we saw in Week Seven, Mike. It was it was a lot um, that we saw. 
Um, but right before we do that, uh, just a quick update here. So you're not going to like this, Mike, but the, the Astros uh, that got after Mr. Max Scherzer in that first inning on a two-run blast by Yuli Gurriel. And the Nats had just cut the lead by half. So it's two to one in the top of the second here. Um, and so uh, you got to get better outings for Max. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, Max Max is a little rusty. You know, he's, you know, he's in the finals. You know, he's World Series. You know, everybody a little rusty. Now, but he, he'll, he'll get himself out. Right. He'll, he'll get into it. Maybe the World Series, the Fall Classic jitters, yeah. being the first time that oh. the Nats are in this position, maybe after them for sure. But, Mike, I, I definitely want to uh, get back to the NFL. We saw what I thought. This is the time of the year when you we think to see, okay, we can eliminate the pretenders and the and, and the contenders. You know, we get to really see who's the teams that we can potentially see making a push or teams that are just here just to, you know, just to be here. <laughs> um, but uh, the team, well, some of the teams that stood out to me is Sean Payton, what he did with with the Saints. They're five and zero without Teddy Bridgewater. Um. Not easy place to win in Chicago. And they go in there and they absolutely annihilate the Chicago Bears in front of their home crowd. Um, there, that's something that stood out to me. The Baltimore Ravens offensive line. I saw you tweet that. They they dominated at the Emerald City. They dominated the the Seattle Seahawks. And then a Seattle team where I thought that was turning a corner. You know, Russell Wilson is the reason why they're winning games rather than early on in his career where they were only winning games because of that defense and just some of the key stuff that stood out to me this week. And Mike, what stood out to you? Uh, what stood out to me was how impressive the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys looked once they got healthy. Uh, they, 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 when they got Tyron Smith back, they got the other uh, right tackle back. Uh, you just look at this team right now, man. They, they, they ran all over this Philly team. I, I picked Philly to win the division. And I was not expecting um, them to look this bad. I mean, they, they, they look roughshod, the injuries, it looks bad right now. The Cowboys look very impressive this week, and it's all about consistency with them, whether or not they're going to keep it rolling. Or, and I ain't going to lie to you, Sebby. Like you just, I'm, I'm glad you just brought it up. That Baltimore Ravens offensive line impressed me tremendously in that game against Seattle. They, they got great players, they, man. They got Marshall Yonda, Michael Orr. And you know, they, they've got they've got some really good players and, on that line. And, they, and they're a cohesive unit. I mean, they play together, and they play so physical. I mean, Seattle's front seven is one of the best front sevens in football. And they pushed them around like they were kids. It was bad. You know, so I, I, I really enjoyed watching them play football. You know, for, as a former offensive lineman, it was it was joy. It was it was beautiful. It was, it was beautiful to watch them play. So then those two really stood out to me uh, amongst others. Definitely there. You talk about the Cowboys. You know, I, I picked the, the Eagles because I was under the assumption that Omari wouldn't play. Cobb wasn't uh, uh, 100%. And, of course, Cameron Fleming would take over for Tyrone Smith. Coming to tune into the game, 8.30 Eastern time. I see all three are suited up. I'm oh, like, oh, no. Oh, no. I, I might have done a bad pick. And then right from the junk, what I said would turn into existence. You, you see Carson Wentz throw a, a, a ball across the middle to Goddard's, and he fumbles. The, the, the Dallas Cowboys take that, you know, three plays after into the end zone, and then they fumble again after Demarcus Lawrence strip sacks. Uh, um, Carson Wentz, and then you see Ezekiel Elliott and this offense get back to their bread and butter, and he had 147 total yards on the ground, and that was the that was the basically why the Dallas Cowboys won the game. And Sebby, this Dallas Cowboys team, they they feast. They're they're at their best when they get a lead. When they got that 14 nothing lead, that's when they're at their best because they have a chance to run the football, and they also have a chance for their defensive line 
to get after the quarterback and, and, and really feast. Their defense is predicated on having the lead. Their, their offense is predicated on having the lead and controlling ball with ball control and things like that. So they once they got out to that 14 nothing lead, it played right into their hands and their style of play. Definitely there. So I want to talk about this. The Eagles were your pick to come out the NFC East. Um, who Who's to blame? Is it Doug Peterson? Is it Carson Wentz? I've said I've got my eyes on him, Mike, because uh, you mentioned the slow starts for the Eagles, but I've mentioned Carson Wentz. Uh, if, if you cancel out 2017 and what he did as in terms of his breakout year that put him in contention to be in the MVP race, he hasn't done much. And so uh, we're, we're trying to anoint Carson Wentz as the second coming of <laughs> Joe Namath or, some, or, or, or Donovan McNabb or something, and, and I haven't seen it since. And so where does the blame for the Eagles go? It goes in a lot of places. I can't really just put it in one place. Uh, Carson Wentz deserves a lot of the blame because, like, like, like we've talked about all season, and we talked about this last season with the Philadelphia Eagles, these slow starts that he's continuously getting into are going to continue to hurt him against good against uh, elite teams. You know, he can get away with that against uh, the bad teams like the Redskins this year and, and a couple other teams that he's beaten when he's got off to slow starts. He can't get away with uh, with those like that against the, you know, the Minnesota Vikings, the Dallas Cowboys, Detroit Lions, teams like that that they've lost to this year. So I think it's a combination of Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, uh, whether or not they made a, a bad decision letting go of Nick Foles or not, who knows? I think that Nick Foles probably should still be in the Eagles uniform, Savvy, because I agree. Nick Foles was one of those guys that, I mean, you you want two quarterbacks in this. He, he was in an insurance policy. Insurance policy. And he was a great insurance. He was an insurance policy that you can count on. You right. can literally, you can count on him in the biggest moments. He won right. you a Super Bowl. So right. it's like, I think a combination of that and also, Sebi, this defense can't stop anybody. They that, can't that stop a soul. And they, they have so many uh, great players on this defense, from Fletcher Cox to the defensive line, Brandon Graham, uh, Malcolm Jenkins. Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett. You have so many players on this defense. They, they're not playing like a cohesive unit. Now, granted, I understand. They just got Jalen Mills back this past week, and Ron, Ronald Darby has been out as well. So they're injured at the corner position. They're really at, at their third or fourth corners, for real. So they, they like depth in that. And that, that's really been hurting them over the past few weeks, especially with the, what the Vikings and the Cowboys have done. But I think it's a combination of all three. I can't really just put blame in one place. They, they, this entire team is not playing like a team, and Carson Wentz is not getting off to fast starts. He's not playing like the quarterback that he's getting paid for. He's not playing like the quarterback that we saw in his second year in the league when he was an MVP candidate. He is playing very bad right now. He is not looking good, and Carson Wentz needs to step it up and lead this team, and somebody needs to spark a plug into this team because this team is not playing like a cohesive unit. I think they really miss Deshaun Jackson. They yep, really miss that deep threat that, that is able to help out with, uh, you know, guys coming over the middle and helping out with the routes and, and things of that nature, helping helping out with the other receivers and taking pressure off of them and these tight ends. So I, it's a combination of all of those things. I can't just put them in one spot. And, and Zach Ertz, the, oh, last yes. year he, he broke – uh, Rob Gronkowski's a uh, single season record uh, for for most receptions by a uh, uh, tight end, and I you got to get him involved in the offense. Obviously, D. Jacks hurts because he's the guy that can take the top off. What the Dallas Cowboys did is they brought all of their safeties and their um, corners to play man to man and say we're daring you to throw the ball deep because we you don't have a guy that can take the top off. I Alshon Jeffrey isn't that guy anymore. 
um, the speedster that Aguilar has that capability, but I haven't seen it this year. And so it, there's there's a lot of things that I can't understand with the Eagles. They got to clean their app up fast because they got to go to Buffalo next week. And that defense is nothing to mess with, Mike, for sure. I want to talk about the best cousin, and that's Kirk Cousin. Right now, he's, he's, he's balling like eight TDs, zero interceptions in the last two weeks. This is a guy that's gotten a lot of scrutiny, and, and I think that he's a guy, Mike. I remember a couple of years ago, the Redskins were over the shell, and if I don't think you remember, but the, the Redskins were in disarray. They were let, trying to say, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins needs to leave. And he, he, they were going to Seattle, and he engineered a drive late in that game to win yes. that ball game. I don't know I, if you remember that. I definitely and, remember that game. Yeah, yep. and, and the Redskins ended up beating Seattle um, in their home turf with Kirk Cousins wearing a Redskins uniform. And so I, I think he plays his best ball when he has – when his back's against the wall and, and he has to make something happen. And last two weeks, he's been phenomenal. Number one in completion percentage, number one in passer rating. And so they're running the football. They're run heavy with Dalvin Cook. And I think the more that they can be effective with Dalvin Cook will open up stuff for Diggs, who's been digging him out of misery, and also uh, Adam Thielen, who's an all-pro last year. And so I think the Vikings, they, they found their identity. If they can keep this up, I think they can be a, a dangerous team in the NFC. They really can be a dangerous team in the NFC, Sammy. And you're absolutely right. I'm glad you brought, it, brought, him, uh, brought him up. Dalvin Cook has been everything for this team. He, he, what he's done this year, he's been one of the best running backs in the league this year so far. And he's also helped out Kirk Cousins a lot with the play action and plays down the field. So we don't hear too much about Stefan Diggs wanting to trade. <laughs> yeah, no, no, more, not no, no more. Not no more. We, don't, <laughs> no, we, don't, we don't hear too much of that. can play great football like this in the regular season. My, my, my only question is what he does in the big games later on in the season and in right. the playoffs, if he can get this team to the playoffs. Because roster-wise, this is this roster, Sebi, is a quarterback's dream. I mean, right. top to bottom, offense, defense, special teams, coaching, this is a quarterback's dream. This right. team goes as far as Kirk Cousins will take them. And I think as long as Dalvin Cook stays healthy and they continue to run the football as effectively as they have and he continues to play, he, he will only elevate his play. And th- this team could possibly uh, – could possibly make some noise in the playoffs and go and make a deep run. Definitely there. Uh, Kirk Cousin has definitely dazzled the NFL game these past two weeks there for sure. Um, a couple notable teams. You talk about the Patriots, what they've done. Um, you know, what what a fool you had to pick for the Jets, right? Yeah, man. Um, they fooled you. Don't remind. Don't remind. <laughs> that was just a beatdown and annihilation. It just reminds us of – how good Bill Belichick. I think we take greatness for granted sometimes, Mike. You, you get the Belichicks, you get the the Greg Popoviches of the world, and, you know, they're aging. You start seeing gray hair, but you're reminded of preparation and getting your team prepared and great motivational men that they are. To get their teams to prepare, how they adapt week in, week out, next man up mentality to just – go out there into the Meadowlands injured, no Josh Gordon, you know, a weekend offensive line. The Patriots said, you know what? We can't pass protect, but we can sure run block. You know, you got a guy like Sonny Michelle gets two rushing touchdowns. Uh, you, you know, the defense lights out. I mean, it's it was just a performance to just behold. And the Patriots right now, they are rolling. And, and, all the metrics right now, Mike, say this is a historic defense. It's only been for one year, 
but all the metrics say what the Patriots are doing right now defensively hasn't been done in over a decade since 1912. Sebi, so each week I watch this defense, they continue to impress me, impress me. It looks like they literally put fear in opposing teams. And we saw that on Monday against the New York Jets. I mean, Sam Donald out there, he, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who that quarterback was. <laughs> Mike, Sam Donald said he saw ghosts. Yeah, he said he saw ghosts, man. I don't know who that quarterback was, man. I, I, I couldn't recognize him. That's not the Sam Donald I saw his rookie year. That's not the Sam Donald I saw last week against the Cowboys. I don't know who that Sam Donald was, but that's a, that's a testament to Bill Belichick in this system. He, 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 his game plays game plans. He knows how to game plan for different, situ- for different situations. Every week, no matter what the opponent is, he will have the best game plan, and he will force you to make to make changes and, and try to and try to convert. But I'm telling you, man, he he finds a way to make you uncomfortable, and he made Sam Donald very uncomfortable in that game. I don't know who that quarterback was. He played a awful game, an awful game, and he 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 really was a, a catalyst for why they lost and why they looked that bad. Um, you're right. This Patriots defense is right now they're playing like one of the best defenses, not only this year but in history. That's how good they're playing. Sevy, they're outscoring opponents 226 to 48. The defense <laughs> giving up 48 points all season long through seven games. 48 points. That's ridiculous. That's like an average of seven points a game. Wow. Oh, man. This this defense is amazing. They're turning the football over. Um, it, it's special to watch. It's really looking like this team. And, and, and Mike, this is the highest – this is the highest point differential as well. You talk about turning the ball over. They've got the highest plus differential in, in league history. And, yeah. and it's just unbelievable. But I want to turn this to the Jets, Mike. I said, Adam Gase, I don't know how you got a head coaching job. Yeah, I think now some of these GMs, they start to panic and they start to reward head coaching jobs for mediocrity. Gotcha. You know, Adam Gase is, is a pretty decent offensive caller, you know, but as an offensive caller, he's not a head coach. He didn't do nothing in Miami. You know, he had Tannehill. He gave my Tannehill $96 million. Now he's in Tennessee. So, like, you know, what, what has he done? And yeah. so uh, a lot of – I think we try to give him the scapegoat and, and, and uh, you know, not put the blame on him. Mind you, Mike, you're in the capital mecca of the world. It's New York. You know, you are going to be held accountable for what you do. And I think we're giving the scapegoat for Adam Gates. You've got Le'Veon Bell, a premier running back. Mike, can you imagine what Le'Veon Bell would be in a New England offense under oh, under under Josh McDaniels? Oh man, with that with <laughs> and, that offensive so, line and that system, and oh. that exactly, and not utilizing the aspect of that, the pass catching game, the 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 running between the tackles, run them outside. You know, they're not using Adam. If I had, if I was the Jets, Mister Le'Veon Bell would at least have twenty to twenty five touches a game. And they're not doing that. They're, he's letting his second-year quarterback and Sam Darnold get beat up. And I just thought the game plan was un, was was unbearable for the Jets. And so they got to clean their act together because, I mean, if, if New Yorkers, especially in that media market, they don't play, you're not producing, they will revoke you very quickly. We've got our eyes on the Jets there on, for, for sure. The Chargers, Mike, um, they can't punch it. They can't punch it in four times with Melvin Gordon on the goal line. I was already losing on my fantasy team. I was hoping Melvin Gordon would give me a touchdown. They couldn't do it. A goal line stands by the Tennessee Titans. What did you see there? Oh, I saw the, I saw Melvin Gordon get humbled. 
I mean, all this, <laughs> all this holdout talk, all this talk about this, that I want this amount of money. I'm not playing until I get a new contract. This Melvin Gordon got absolutely humbled at the goal line against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, he lost all leverage. All leverage he had, it was gone. Just with that one one mishap. You fumble not only at the goal line, but you fumble at the goal line for for the game on the line, and it, it was bad. So I, I saw Melvin Gordon get humbled. I saw Gerald Casey and those boys step up on that defensive line. This Titans defense is special. Uh, I just saw uh, dudes making winning plays. Uh, Wesley Woodyard he knocked the ball out, and Gerald Casey was able to recover it. It was it was a it was a physical football game from both sides in Tennessee. They they made the better play when it, when it counted and. Yeah, I saw Melvin Gordon. He, you got to hold on to that football, man. You want the money that you are demanding. You're demanding Ezekiel Elliott-type money. You got to make that play. You got to score that touchdown. You got to hold on to that ball at least, at the very least. So that's exactly what I saw. I saw the Titans make big plays, but I also saw Mel- Melvin Gordon uh, get humbled by, by all this this holdout uh, that, that he was doing during during the season. Definitely got humbled there for sure, um, Mr. Melvin Gordon there for sure for the – L.A. Chargers there for sure. No team surprised me more last week than the Indianapolis Colts, what they did in their home turf. You had the Colts. It's a great call from you. I had the Texans. Um, but it, Jacoby Brissett, uh, uh, you know, he had me thinking like, wow, you know, Frank Wright, the reigning defending coach of the year, he deserves a lot of credit for this. Andrew Luck, the Andrew Lux of the world, they don't grow on trees. And so what he's done to groom Young Jacoby Brissett to prepare for this moment all his life. He's a Bill Parcells kid. You know, Bill Parcells, he, he knows how to scout talent. And so they're, they're run heavy with Marlon Mack. But what the Texans said is, you're not going to run the football. We want to see what Jacoby Brissett can do. And so he did it. I thought that that was just unbelievable. But what he did there and no team, no team in week seven, Shock me more than the Annapolis Colts. I think we've taken them for granted, Mike. So, yeah, some people, some people have. I really like this Indianapolis Colts team. I really do because it's just, it's just unfortunate that Andrew Luck retired. I know it's his personal uh, decision, and he, you know, he, he made the decision that made him happy and was best for him. But everything that he's always wanted for the first six, seven years of his career, he finally got it here in this, in, in this, this season. I mean, they got the offensive line, they got the defense, they got everything you need. They're a Super Bowl contender team with a quarterback like Andrew Luck. And seeing a guy like Jacoby Brissett come in and ball out, Sebi, he's really doing he's 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 doing a, an amazing job leading this team. And he's playing he's just slowly but surely, he's playing like an MVP candidate, a sneaky MVP candidate early in the season. He has this team four and two atop the division. And they're they're playing lights out right now. They're playing great football on both sides of the ball. And I really it was I was I know I picked them to win. But I was impressed about how they won. Exactly, they, they, it was thirty to it was thirty to twenty three. But watching that game, it, it really wasn't that close. It, it, the, the Colts pretty much handled their business and made this high flying Deshaun Watson led offense that's been dominating the last couple of weeks or so. They, he's pretty much stifled them. He stifled them. Uh, this defense stifled them when they had to. So I was very impressed with how they how they won this game. And Jacoby Brissett, he keeps playing like this. I'm telling you, he's a sneaky MVP candidate so far. Definitely there. Jacoby Brissett has lightened up the eyes and gotten the national recognition that he deserves for sure with the Indianapolis Colts. A quick update here. NBA action tonight. The Pels, a three-point lead with almost three to play in the first half. The Pelicans 
are up three against the reigning defending champions in this ball game for sure. The Niners, my, you know, uh, they did not play well, but I, I thought that defensively, of course, that they how stout they are. That was the difference maker, but the offense didn't get going. Not sure if it was at Washington, but uh, you know, when you've got an elite defense, when your offense is bad in some games, you can rely on that, and that was their calling card. Yes, yes, I mean, this this was I, I I wasn't surprised at all. Their offense looked this bad. I watched the whole game. The, the, this it was it was raining. It was one of those wet, mu- rainy, muddy slide. I mean, players were sliding all over the field. It was one of those games where they take the quarterbacks and the receivers out of it. They they hate this type of game. But this is a game that's one in the trenches. Offensive line, running backs, they love this type of game. Linebackers, they uh, defensive line, they love this type of game. And the Redskins, they got off to a fast start with with Adrian Peterson running the football. They were looking good early on. But they just never were able to capitalize with points, and this was a zero-zero ball game going into the third quarter. Both both teams weren't doing anything offensively. Either one of them could do anything. It's just that the the San Francisco 49ers made a, and Jimmy G made enough plays in the second half to garner uh, nine points. Like that's that's how bad it was. It was one of those muddy games where you take you wouldn't expect any high scoring. You take the quarterback and the wide receiver out of it, and it's left up to the trenches and the running backs and the linebackers. But then, and, and that that's what it came down to. And obviously, we both know that San Francisco has the better of both. So, you know, when it, when it comes to that, San Francisco edged them out. But I didn't. I wasn't expecting a high school game. If you saw that game, Sabi, I mean, place Nick Bosa was making sacks, and then they were celebrating. They were sliding all over the place. It was one of those. It was one of those type games. But you know, it, it was it was it was ugly. But San Francisco pulled it out. They got it done. Rather. Yes. Going back to the Bay Area where they got a big game next week. Kyle Allen, Christian McCaffrey, and that Panthers offense coming to town. But we'll game real quick. Just before we make our week eight predictions, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show inside the studios of WNSE. And we're back here on the Savvy Podcast Radio Show. Myself and Michael Gray, Mike, short of dominance. I mean, there, we we saw that one team just <laughs> just said that there was levels to this. Justin Fields, right in the thick of things in this Heisman campaign. I would have him second now, Mike, just to, just right behind Joe Burrow, uh, what he's done with the um, Buckeyes. But they went in Chicago. And himself and their running back, J.K. Dobbins, just – I mean, they put a beat down on Northwestern. I thought that would have been a trap game. A little bit closer than what the score was. But, my goodness, I mean, this team was just unbelievable how they played. And I was just like, man, that that's 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 crazy. Um, but, Mike, it, it, it's, it, it's, it has to be LSU. I know they played um, A&M and uh, Mississippi State, excuse me, not A&M. And Mississippi State isn't that good, but Joe Burrow and this offense, you, we, they held them to field goals in that first half. But LSU this year, what I've seen, Mike, they care about touchdowns. And, and that's what happened in the second half. Chase, Justin Jefferson, I mean, good luck anybody in the SEC caring about these guys. No, for sure, man. Joe, Joe Burrow's playing lights out. This LSU team in, in, in general 
is playing lights out. I, I'm really enjoying watching them play football. Uh, you're right about Ohio State, man. This man, Ohio. I, I'm not gonna lie to you, Seth. I think Ohio State is too good for trap games. This this team is too good. They are absolutely amazing. Watching them play is, it, I, I love it, and I can't wait till we see uh, them go against Michigan and see what Michigan is gonna do this year. But also LSU, I'm waiting for them to. I can't wait for that game against Alabama. Oh, uh, I, I hope. They continue to play well and keep that number two seed, and Bama keep the one seed, so we can have another one-two matchup with them again. And you know it's, it's competitive. But you're right, Joe Burrow, he easily is leading the Heisman Trophy uh, right now, and I, I, I want to see I want to see him continue the ball. Definitely there for sure, Joe Burrow there. And so, Mike, this is the week. This is the week, Mike. We've got a lot of great games. Oh, um, just to start off, we, we've got Auburn going to LSU. And so uh, you've gotten Bo Nix, another road test uh, for young Bo Nix, Gus Malzahn in that team um, in the Bayou. You've got number 13. Yes, Wisconsin got upset last week at Illinois. Number 13, I was waiting for this, Wisconsin versus Ohio State, probably Ohio State's biggest test in the Big Ten this week. Um, They're going into the horseshoe. I'll be at home to host Wisconsin, the Gators, and the Ugga. You're number nine uh, of Florida against number 10, Georgia. That's always a rivalry. Both teams hate each other. So, Mike, this is the week. And then you have to, just to top it off, <laughs> as if the week was getting better, right? Just top it off. You've got the Irish, the Notre Dame Irish, eighth in the country, going to the big house against a very disappointed Michigan team. So, this week is the week, Mike. This, this is the week. That, that the committee will have his eyes glued to any television that they've got. Absolutely, especially, and they're going to be looking closely at not only who wins, but the when the margin of victory, uh, the margin of loss for some of these teams. This is a big week. We're going to see some very competitive teams, competitive games, and players going all out this week and, see, and, and going on because we got some big games this week and we got big games coming up so people understand the pressure of the moment and, and understand what's going on. So you're absolutely right. I'm intrigued to see what happens this weekend. Playoff indicators, playoff implications everywhere. The Gators and and, and Georgia, uh, I've got my eyes on that because I think the loser can be outside looking in for sure. But the winner can set themselves up in position maybe to be in the SEC East, uh, well, to win the SEC East, but also to be able to uh, fight in the SEC title game against one of those uh, teams being LSU or Alabama coming out of the West uh, for sure um, there. But this Michigan and this Notre Dame Irish team is got my eyes. Notre Dame, you were I was pleased. They lost to Georgia, but it wasn't the Notre Dame performance that we've known for years just to get blown out um, even before they entered the tunnel. It, it was more that they didn't do. They can sustain drives late and the three and outs and things of that nature. Uh, they've been very, very solid under Brian Kelly. And so they're going to the big house. I like them in this matchup against Michigan. It is a trap game because Michigan, at any given day, you don't know what Michigan team you're going to get. But uh, um, I, I think Ian Book in this offense can, 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 can muster a couple drives in, in to win this game. So those two games in particular, I've got my eyes on this weekend. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. I think Notre Dame is going to go in there and beat Michigan because Michigan right now is not – they're just not clicking. They're not the team that we thought they would be in. You're right, Ian Book has been exceptional, and this Notre Dame team is very competitive. I think they go in there and win the game as well. And um, you're absolutely right, so many marquee games. And definitely that Auburn-LSU game. I think this Auburn 
I, I think Bo Nix has a chance to really show the country what he's made of. Going against, you know, all eyes will be on Joe Burrow, but, you know, watching the game, you're going to see Bo Nix perform as well. So Bo Nix has an opportunity to put the spotlight on him and show what he's made of and what he can do with this offense as well. So I'm very intrigued to see the quarterback matchup between those two. I got to go. I got to go. Go, go, go. What's up, everybody? We in Orlando again, getting it in. Bald and beauty. Boss the engineer that my man G Wiz just dropped that new head iron poppy. And you know where the catch is at, right? Diaz Gallery. Rich Black just dropped off the pop-up shop. But look, make sure y'all catch us out in Sidebar. Make sure you catch me out in Iron Cafe. And you know, know where I be at. I'm at Boss the engineer. What it do? Make sure you stay tuned. We appreciate you. Nama, 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 stay. What you say it is? What you say it is? I said, cause visionary, 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 what? We are the truth. Stay tuned for our new line. Make sure you got your t shirts ready. We're gonna see y'all here in the community. Namaste, yeah, yeah, Prada, Nana. We love y'all. podcast radio show for our last segment today guys our last segment today guys is proud and sponsored by rdv sportsplex that's right rdv sportsplex the largest sports complex in central florida hands down and it is not even close heck i was there today i was reminded of how big and humongous that sportsplex is I had a chance to meet with Stephanie Org and Miss Amanda Johnson today for all of your fitness careers and all of your fitness needs from tennis to the ice den where you have ice hockey to curling to weightlifting to basketball gyms to indoor facilities for fencing. You name it. RDV Sportsplex has got it. And tell them Sebi from the Sebi Podcast Radio Show sent you. And Mike, we're back here. On our last segment today, we're talking week eight. That's right. Week eight of our Pick'em segment. We'll be back here in 10 seconds. All right. So week sec- week eight of this week comes up with a pack field action, Mike. Um, it- it's crazy how... All of a sudden, we're right in the middle of the NFL season. <laughs> this this NFL season got. I mean, it's 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 been topsy turvy. It's already quickly into Week Eight, and so we jump off right off the bat. You've got the Redskins and the Vikings. This is a rematch, uh, kind of you know your the quarterbacks from former teams, right? You've got Case Keenum, former quarterback for the Vikings, heading facing against his former teams, and then Kirk Cousins facing against his Redskins, and it's in the Purple Monsters' house. It's where the Vikings play, Mike. Kirk Cousins, last two weeks, eight touchdowns, zero interception. He's been red hot, number one in completion percentage and number one in passer rating. The Vikings are at home. The spread is a lot. Give me the Vikes. Give me the Vikings as well, but I, I ain't going to lie to you, Sebby. I think it's going to be a much closer game than people think. The Redskins know Kirk Cousins. They know everything about him. They know his style. They know his weaknesses. So I, I expect them to, to take advantage of some of those things. But give me still give me the Vikings. That's, I think they'll separate themselves in the second half of this game. Very, very done. We'll see 
if it's a welcoming back for Kirk Cousins facing his former team on Thursday night football there. Two teams that's in opposite directions, Mike. You got the Falcons, boy, they've been disappointing all season long. One in six with all division aspirations, NFC title aspirations, even Super Bowl aspirations. They're one in six. And coming in town, the Seattle Seahawks. So it's the battle of the birds. You got the Hawks versus the Falcons and Atlanta. It doesn't matter. Give me the Hawks, especially after the way they lost in that last game. Give me the Hawks, but I'm not going to lie to you, Seppi. I'm not really confident in this pick. I think um, it's something about the Seattle team, man, when they go on the road. It's, it's weird. Man. You know they got out to that 20-7 to uh, deficit against Cleveland when they came to the East Coast. And they're, and they're now they're coming to Atlanta. Atlanta has the capabilities of putting up points and making this competitive, but they've been so inconsistent. I, I, I can't pick them anymore. Give, give me Seattle Seahawks uh, in a dog fight. The Seattle Seahawks for sure. Mike, your NFC East division champions, your preseason pick was the Philadelphia Eagles. I know they <laughs> had a debacle against the Dallas Cowboys, of course, as you mentioned. Um, they're going into Orchard Park in Buffalo, right? And the Buffalo Bills, they might be the most surprised team of the NFL this season at five and one. This is tough. Um, the Eagles, I just can't understand what they are, Mike. Yeah, the, obviously, Lane Johnson and Jason Peters not there hurts. Um, this elite offensive line that pro football said that was tops in the NFL hasn't played like it. The defense is terrible. I mean, like, really, really terrible. But you know what? This is the last time that I give them a chance. I'm going to take the Eagles here on the road against a very tough defense in the Buffalo Bills. I think it's going to be low scoring, but at the end of the day, I trust Carson Wentz just a little bit more than Josh Allen, although he hasn't played like it this season. He hasn't played like this season at all. And, Sebi, I'm not going to lie to you. I think this is going to be one of the better games of the weekend. You know, when you look at how two teams are, Buffalo is trying to prove to everybody that real. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, this is almost a must-win football game. You have to win this. We have to win this game. You have to continue to get that momentum back on your side. So I'll take the Philadelphia Eagles as well to win this game. I picked them to win the division. I'm sticking to it. Give me the Eagles. Right. Two teams now all of a sudden searching for their identity, Mike, the Chargers. <laughs> the Chargers, they just can't, you know, catch a break, you know. At the <laughs> four, four times they get a crack at the one-yard line with Melvin Gordon, they just can't punch it in against Tennessee. They're going against the monsters of the mid way with the Chicago Bears and their performance was nothing to be excited about against the Saints. Whoo boy, this is tough. Um you know what? I gotta take Chicago, unfortunately. Give me the Bears. Um I, I know that Khalil Mack and Raekwon Smith and their that Bear de Bears defense, they have pride. They know they didn't play well against the Saints. And they definitely didn't play well against a backup, although Teddy Bridgewater is a competent starting QB. They have pride. They're at home instead of their, in front of their home crowd in Soldier Field. I know they'll try to come out and make amends and try to bear down. They sure will. Give me the Chicago Bears. This, this is a prideful bunch. This defense knows that they got roughed, roughed around. They got pushed over. They like this New Orleans Saints offensive line and that offense did whatever they wanted to and really uh, stunned this defense. So I think they'll come back with a vengeance and win this game. I, I, just, I just have no faith in the Chargers. They're, they reinv they're reinventing new ways to lose. <laughs> give, give me the Chicago Bears at home. Your Chargers to lose. Normally the Chargers season doesn't start until November, but it might be too little, too late for the Bolts. Mike's New York football giants, of course, in a rebuild mode from their 
most recent loss to Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals at home. They travel to the Lions. The Lions have been very impressive, although they have lost very tough games. They've been very competitive, Mike, and, uh, and I've been really hard on these Lions, but I've seen a little bit, just a glimpse of competitiveness in how they play. But you know what? Give me the Lions at home. I think Matthew Stafford, if you can get to 30 points like they did last week, that should be enough to beat the Giants. That's definitely enough to beat the Giants. I mean, uh, give me the Detroit Lions as well. They, they, they've been one of the most exciting football teams. I know their record doesn't uh, show that, but they've been one of the most exciting teams in football this season. And they've been very competitive every single game. They, um, they're, they're a top-notch bunch. And the Giants, like you said, we're in rebuild mode. Daniel Jones is still learning. He's still, you know, getting his feet wet, understanding the offense. Give, give me the Detroit Lions. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers go into LP Field, Nissan Field, former notable LP Field, to take on the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee gutted one out against the Chargers last week with a huge goal line stand at the end of the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who boy, this is tough. Um, but you know what? Give me the Buccaneers. The Bucs is the type of team they'll win when you least expect it. Jameis Winston, this is a type of game that he might put up monster numbers, especially off of bye week. Give me the Bucs. Give me the Tennessee Titans. I like the Tennessee Titans in this game, especially with Ryan. I like, I like what I saw last week with Ryan Tannehill as their starting quarterback. And I think Tennessee got a new uh, offense, got a new like resurgence of life. You know, everybody just seemed like they just stepped up their game and, you know, the defense felt like they had something to play for. And so I saw back, back, back to back weeks at home. Give me the Tennessee Titans at home against the Tampa Bay. It's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game because Tampa Bay is a competitive team, but give me, give me the Titans at home. Right. Uh, the Denver Broncos, Mike's AFC West uh, champions, preseason champions, they got to go on the road against a red hot Indianapolis Colts team. This Colts team, Mike really opened my eyes last week. You know, I thought they were all about that offensive line and running the football with Marlon Mack. But when the Texans said that we're going to make an assertive commitment to stop the run, Jacoby Brissett stepped up and hit guys like Jack Doyle, T.Y. Hilton, and a a couple of others of his playmakers like Pascal and others. So the Colts, they have an elite defense led by Darius Leonard. I know one team has an identity and the Broncos don't, especially after trading, of course, uh, Sanders. Yeah, you trade Emmanuel Sanders, and I'm sure other players on other some of the top uh, older veterans are on their way out as well. It seems like the Denver Broncos are about to head into rebuild mode. But for the for this game, give me the give me the Indianapolis Colts as well. I'm not gonna lie to you, Sebi. Jacoby Jacoby Brissett is a sneaky MVP candidate so far this season. He's been balling, playing very well, beat some very tough teams. Give, give me the Colts. Give me the Colts at home. They they just seem like they're going in a different direction than the yep. Denver Broncos. Uh, the Colts have been very good atop of the AFC South after their performance last week. The Cincinnati Bengals, they're 0-7. I think they're already looking ahead to next year. They take on the Rams. Now, the Rams, after acquiring Jalen Ramsey and his job that he did against Julio Jones last week, all of a sudden got their running game back. You know, They say Todd Gurley is healthy, and they're looking to carry and carry carry that workhorse that he is maybe about 20 to 25 carries 25 carries will be just and more enough to beat the Bengals because the Bengals are dead last against the run give me the Rams that opens up big plays for Cooper Cup Woods and of course um uh Cooks as well on the outside give me the Rams give me the Rams but Sebi 
the NFL is so weird. This is one of those games where Cincinnati is going to compete, going to battle, and it's going to go make it tough. It's one of it's one of those weird things, man. When when your teams you least expect it, they go in free playing, and I think Cincinnati's going to go into LA playing free with nothing to lose, and they're going to be competitive. But the Rams, they, they they have too much at home. Give me the Rams. Right. Boy, this Kyler Murray guy is good. Like he's really good. They started the season 0-3 and one, and now all of a sudden, through seven weeks, they're three three and one. Right, and yeah. they could be, might as well be four and two because they they did very good against the Lions um, opening day. Um, they're going, of course, in probably their toughest matchup of the year. They got to play in that Superdome, that Mercedes Superdome against the Saints. The Saints. I'm tired, Mike, of going against them. Uh, Sean Payton <laughs> is probably the NFC's version of Brady and Belichick. You know, you've got ah. Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Uh, I, I think that what they've done morphing and adapting to the strengths of what Teddy Bridgewater has done and that defense has been lights out. Give me the Saints. Um, as I said, I, I think by right now they're probably – if not one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, give me the New Orleans Saints as well. I think Drew Brees might come back this week, if not next week. But even even if he doesn't, and Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater's at the helm, give me give me the New Orleans Saints at home. I see them winning big in this game. Arizona's been playing tough. They've been competitive. Um, but but give, give me the New Orleans Saints at home. They're, they're just on a roll right now on a different level. Would somebody think Teddy Bridgewater and the Breezeless Saints, 5-0 and mm. at helm? That's huge for a late postseason run when Brees come back. The New York football Jets. Boy, Mike, we saw what they their performance last night. It was oh, nothing boy. to be happy about. They got to go to Duval. <laughs> Good luck. You paid one elite defense in the Patriots. Now you got to go to Duval against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fresh off their win in Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. I think they're going to continue to ride that momentum, guarding Minshew and running the football with Leonard Fournette, that refrigerator he is. The defense has been lights out, led by Yannick Ngakwe. I like the Jaguars, and I like them big. I love the fact, I love hearing you say my dog name, man. I was, that's my high school homie, man. I love, I love Yannick, man. I'm just, I'm so proud of him balling, and the fact that Jalen Ramsey's gone, I know he's going to get, it's about that time for him to get his money. He's, he's due for a big payday. But you're absolutely right. Going into Jacksonville, it's not good. It's not good going against his defense. So give me, give me the Jaguars at home. I think Gardner Minshew is going to step up and play a much better game than he played against Cincinnati. Give, give me, give me the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. Yeah, definitely. You get shut up by the Patriots. Adam Gase in that offense does not want to go to Jacksonville and duplicate that performance for sure. This might be one of the bigger games of the week, Mike. You've got the red hot Carolina Panthers fresh off of their bye week, so they had two weeks to prepare, right? You know, mm-hmm. there's been speculations if Cam Newton's going to come back. But Ron Rivera named Kyle Allen as the starting quarterback this week against the 49ers, the undefeated 49ers in the Bay Area. So you got Panthers and 49ers. I'm going to take the 49ers here. Only reason is I, I know they're going to – that defense and that front four is going to make sure this is the game that they stop McCaffrey and they dare Mr. Allen to beat him throwing the football that's not a recipe of success. That's more of a recipe of the disaster. You let that front four get home. I think they can run the football, although that front of the Panthers isn't easy as well. But I trust Jimmy G in this game at home. Give me the 49ers. Give me the Carolina Panthers on the road. I think this is going to be a competitive game, but I think that the Carolina Panthers are going to find a way to win this game. It's going to be one of those games where San Francisco is going to do everything that they can to win, they're going to make big plays. They're going to do what they can. But but Carolina is going to find a way 
to hope the run and force Jimmy G to beat them. Give, give me give me the Carolina Panthers on the road. Big win. Wow, wow. What would that be? Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, like, you would have a quarterback controversy. What do you do with Cam Newton? Do you uh... – I, I mean, obviously, if the Panthers want to have Super Bowl aspirations, you would think number one had to come back, right? Yes, absolutely. Cam Newton has earned the right to, if he's healthy, to come back and see if he if he if he can get the job done. Now, if he doesn't, what he does after that is up to Cam Newton. But he he's earned the right to get his opportunity as a starting quarterback right back. Yes, Carolina Panthers red hot heading into Levi Stadium. America's game of the week resides in Foxborough, the New England Patriots, Mike. What they've done right now has been historic. You know, you look back into the 30 years, no team has started the first seven weeks with 18 interceptions. That hasn't been done in, in 30 years. And you have to date all the way back until 1912. No team in the NFL since 1912, um, nearly a century, has only given up 48 points through seven weeks uh, it's it's just been pure dominance what they've done it's at foxborough and the browns are coming to town fresh off a of bye week i know their stardom names you got chubb you got baker you got Odell beckham and this isn't this is even the week that actually kareem hunt comes back but nevertheless the patriots are just in another stratosphere give me the pats Sorry. oh no my my Sorry. oh no <laughs> I'm telling you, Sebby. I, I I got the Browns winning this game, Sebby. Oh, no. I do. I do. I, all right, all right, Sebby. This is my last time going against Brady. All right. If he does, if I don't, if I lose this week, I'm not going against Brady no more. But I got I, I got a funny feeling, man. All these weapons you just named and Kareem Hunt coming back, I think that run game could bode well for the uh, passing game for uh, Baker Mayfield and those weapons he has. I'm not gonna lie to you, Sebby. I, I see this being a high scoring game, but I think the Browns gonna win a shootout in New England. I, I'm gonna give me the Browns. Wow! Wow! What would that be? Let's, I'll, 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 you know, I'll disregard that you took the Browns <laughs> against the Patriots. There, we move on to H Town, where the Texans, uh, bittersweet about their performance in Indianapolis, they go ahead and they host the Raiders. The Raiders have been very impressive, although they lost at Lambeau and got torched by Mercer and Rogers. But the Texans are at home. I think I love the pickup of Garyon Conley. I think he's a young guy that hasn't gotten a chance to blossom and flourish what his potential can be you put him in that back end with that front four that's still elite you got merciless you got jj watt all pro i think that defense can get after Derek carr and i know deshaun watson want to do some home cooking i got, I got the houston texans i think the texans are going to win this game uh the oakland Raiders. They, they they play tough they play competitive they, they've been very good I, I really love what i'm seeing from josh jacobs but uh, give, give me Houston at home. I think they're gonna they're motivated after losing the Indian on the uh, on the road last week. So at home, give give me Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans for sure looking to bounce back from that. Bar resides in Arrowhead. When this games came out, Mike, I know I had it circled because I wanted to see Patrick Mahomes against Aaron Rodgers, and I know that's what the viewership of America wanted to see. It's bittersweet that, of course, Patrick Mahomes is lingering a three weeks absence due to his ankle and his knee injury. So we won't get to see him. But Aaron Rodgers, what he's done, he's fresh off, Mike, a perfect passer rating against the Raiders. 158.3, 429 through the air, five TDs, zero interceptions. I think the Packers go into Arrowhead and win this game. Now, although... That they still got still kill position players, Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman. You still got 
Travis Kelsey over the middle. And that's going to be tough for this Green Bay defense. But at the end of the day, give me Aaron Rodgers to win in Barbecue City. Yeah, give me Aaron Rodgers to win on the road in this game as well because although they had, they do have a lot of weapons um, on Kansas City's offensive side, if you don't have a quarterback that's used to getting those first-team reps with you, then it's – going to be very it's going to be a struggle this week so so green bay packers who are rolling right now on both sides of the ball i'll take them on the road i like i like them on both sides in this game cheeseheads are really rolling at on the road for sure and a huge argument to be one of the best teams in the nfl period and of course we wrap up week eight in heinz field where the pittsburgh steelers are back in the monday night stage of course they're hosting the miami dolphins must we say less mike the Steelers fresh off a bye week after the impressive win in L.A. against the Chargers. The Dolphins, they're, they're just trying to get into the two attack of a lower sweepstakes. Give me the Steelers in pretty big. I think they'll cover that 14 and a half. I think they will, too. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. They're, they're, I'm very impressed, and I've really enjoyed watching them play defense this year. Their defense is reminding me of the defense uh, from about close to 10 years ago. It's a very special bunch, and they turn the football, they play physical. Uh, give, give me the Pittsburgh Steelers at home as well to cover. The Pittsburgh Steelers for sure. And, of course, that was our show for tonight. Myself and Michael Gray. Mike, I know you're already gearing up. Uh, I, I think the Nats are, are ready to bat up. You got Scherzer and, and, and Garrett Cole. Well, give me a prognostication. What you seen tonight? Oh, we're we, we, we going to take game one. Of course. We got to set the tone right in this series. We're going to take game one in Houston. All right. A huge night in the sports world. You've got opening night in the NBA. The Pels and the Raptors awaiting their ring ceremony to get after winning their first title in franchise history, and then the big one in Staples Center, La La Land. It's the Clippers and Lakers. But from here on the East Coast, we want to say so long from now inside the studios at WNSC. Myself and Michael Gray. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The SEBI Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan.